Well, have you ever looked back at some of the hardest moments in your life and, and wondered, man, how did I get here? Um, I know me personally, I've had a lot. Um, I'm what you would call dense, and it took me a really long time just to stop making the same stupid mistakes over and over and over again. It was like beating my head against a brick wall, um, and I still don't have it all together. I mean, again, if you've known me for any amount of time, you would probably say, hey, Aaron, you're still pretty dense, um, and if you talk to my wife, she would agree with you, but when I look back at a lot of those moments, a lot of the things that I've done, whether I went through it or, or got on the other side of it, there's a common denominator in all of those situations, and it's people. The really bad decisions I make, now first and foremost, I'm solely responsible for every stupid mistake I, I make, anything I say, or anything I do. Now, same is true for you, just so you know. You, you can't blame other people, so we do those things. But sometimes we allow people in our lives that maybe encourage our behavior and kind of nudge us along just a little too much where we need somebody that would say, hey, dummy, why don't you just take a step back and, and cool it just a little bit. And so oftentimes when we find ourselves going through a hard season, somebody's journeyed there with us who maybe, just maybe, we should have cut off a long time ago. Now, if you've made your way through a difficult situation or season, the same is true, except that person was what we would call a friend, right? They were good to you. They helped encourage you. They helped get you on the other side of it. I remember a very brief season in my life where um, I was actually homeless. It was an incredibly difficult time. My oldest son, I was single. I had him, only child that I had at the time, and he was about two years old, and I actually was at the Claremore Motor Inn across the street, and I remember going up to the second floor and just um, bawling, really. I, I had no place to go. Um, a lot of my family was, one, didn't want to deal with me, and I, I understand why, or they were in a situation themselves, but I had some people that... Thankfully, I only spent one night there, and they, they took me in, and I began to remove my head from my rear end just a little bit, and I never went back there. It was one of those things. Thank you. <laughs> it was one of those things that I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore, and I started to kind of change my, my circle, my people group, right, um, and started to make different decisions, and so relationships are important, not just sexual ones, all right, all right, the relationships, the friends you have, that's important, the people that you're journeying with day in and day out, they help mold you and help shape you whether you want them to or not. Um, research tells us this, that we're actually the average of the five closest people in our circle group, and it's scary, scary. We begin to weigh as much as they do, we begin to, I mean, even make as much money as they do, make decisions like them. Um, some research shows that your brain patterns can actually even start to replicate the people around you, that that, that will begin to line up. And so you guys pray for my wife as we've got a long road ahead of us as she begins just to look a little more like me every day. Um, <laughs> But, but that's what happens. That what's, that's what takes place. And so no matter what your situation is, we have to begin to evaluate these people that we've allowed in, our inner circle, right? Because they're going to either nudge us um, closer to God or closer to healthy things, or they're going to drag us back to those deep, dark holes. And that's one of the hardest things to do when we're endeavoring to change our lives. Because truth of the matter is we've had people that journeyed with us for a long time, and we've missed the definition, the true definition of what a friend is. And we define people a certain way that should never be defined that way. They were never healthy to begin with, but we've convinced ourselves that they're there for us, that they've got our best interests at heart, but nothing could be further from the truth. And so we have to evaluate who are these people? Who are these close people? Now, 
We should be good to everybody. We should love everybody. We shouldn't be afraid to minister to anybody or, or anything like that. But those people that you really allow to be close to you, those people who you really allow to journey with you, that you open up with, that you're close to in, in an intimate way, those people should be properly vetted. Those people should resemble the kind of person that you're endeavoring to be, the direction that you're trying to go, because eventually you're going to level out with them, that we're going to become the average of the five closest people in our lives. And so we need to pick those five people carefully because they're going to impact us in significant ways. And so true friends usually have a role to play, again, in helping us pick up the pieces and move forward. Unhealthy people, they keep pulling us backwards and dragging us down and keeping us from succeeding in the areas that we're really endeavoring to pursue. And so tonight's message is titled this. It's titled, A New Kind of Friend. And what I want to talk about is relationships. I want to talk about the people in our inner circles, the people that we allow to be close and we're made for relationship. That's one of the things that's difficult is we're made not to be independent, but interdependent. God created us for it. And so it's real easy to find those common denominators with people. It's like, you like football? I like football. I'm trying not to drink. You want to go watch the, the game at the sports bar? And then we, we fall into that, right? Because we just click with these, these, sub, these surface level things because we're made to do that. But we've got to be really careful. I want to share with you just to kind of make my point here. Genesis 2, 18. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Um, and it's telling of the creation. And so as God was creating everything, he came to man. And I know if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard this. But it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. And so I'm not sure what happened. Like God made everything. He made man and the house was already a wreck or something. I'm not sure. But God looked at that situation. He looked at Adam and he said, this is not good. It's not good that I've made this person and he has nobody to connect with. It's not good that I've made this man and he's journeying all alone. And what's surprising there is at this point in time, God walked with man. God walked with man. There was no separation. There was no separation of sin or relationship. They were tight. They were close. Adam looked upon God. But even in that moment, God said, it's not okay that he's alone. I'll make him a helper who is just right for him. And so this picture's painted that, that was true then, and it's especially true now, that we were never meant to journey alone. We were never meant to journey alone. We we're meant to be close to God and we're meant to be close to people, that we're meant to be interdependent, that we need that helper, that person that we can rely on. We need those people in our inner circle to help us to journey. Now, the sad thing is that oftentimes in recovery or, or healing, when we're going through stuff, the first thing we do is sacrifice the thing that we need second to God. Like we need God more than anything. And when we mess up, we pull away from God. And then we need people and we pull away from people. Those are the two areas that we take a step back. Whether you're struggling in your relationship, if I'm having a hard time in my marriage, one of the hardest things for me to do is to open up to people who will counsel me well and who care about my relationship. It's real easy if I wanted to go gripe about my wife to people. You ever notice how easy that is to badmouth people around you when you're upset? But if you're really going for good advice, for direction and guidance, that's difficult. That if my situation financially, when I, when I run into speed bumps and things like that, to really ask for help, 
to really ask for counseling, and I want to pull away from God and from people. But if I want to go railing about how angry I am at the economy or how mad I am at my boss because he won't give me a raise or all of these negative things, I can do that all day long. But when it really comes to the two things I need to lean into, I'm hesitant. And we got to remember we're made for it. We're made to be dependent on the people around us. We've got to find a healthy, healthy group of people to journey with us, to lift us up, to strengthen us and encourage us in significant ways. And so what does that look like? If we're better off together, what should those relationships look like? To answer that, I want us to go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes was written by King David's son, Solomon. And so Solomon, he became king after David died. And when he was becoming king, um, he prayed to God. God said, what do you want? I'm gonna give it to you. And Solomon said, I want wisdom to lead your people. And so Solomon is considered to be the wisest ruler who ever lived. And this is what he had to say about relationships. Ecclesiastes 4.9, it says this, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. What a profound and simple statement that is. And how true we know it to be that, that two people are better off than one. I journeyed for a long time as a single parent. And my wife journeyed for a long time as a single parent. We were both successfully running households. We owned homes, we, we were fine, we were stable, and we were okay. You know what we found out as we got married? It is much easier to parent our children. Even though the amount of mouths in our household went up, even though the stress went up, it's easier to do life with that woman by my side. And I hope she would say the same about me, that it's easier to do life with that man, but I don't know, that may not be the case. But we know that two people are better off than one because they can help each other succeed. Because no matter how much my wife had it together, sometimes she struggles. Sometimes she needs somebody to be there in her corner in that moment saying, it's okay, it's gonna be fine. I know this morning, for instance, I was struggling with some things personally. And things worked out great for us as the day went on. And my wife, when she got here today, she said this. She said, I was praying for you all day long because two people are better off than one. When I wasn't doing any of the things I should do but be angry, my wife was praying for me. And that's the picture that we have about making sure that your circle, the people that journey with you, is solid, is good, is healthy, and is propelling you forward. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. Um, and then it goes on in verse 10. It says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? And so Solomon's painting this picture that, that we're going to struggle. Like the Bible is very clear on that. If you're in here and you haven't bought into Christianity, I've got news for you. It's not going to make everything perfect. It's going to make it better. You're, you're gonna have things that you didn't have before and your journey's gonna be easier in some regards. In other places, you're still gonna struggle like you were before and you're gonna have hard times and you're gonna need people to lift you up. And what if you fall alone? What if you've endeavored to follow Jesus, you've come into recovery, you tried to change everything, but the one place you've missed it is you haven't put people in your corner and you fall, you stumble. Who's that person that's praying for you when you're not even aware of it, who's seen that you're having a hard time today, but it's there in that moment and says, I've got you. I've got you, that we need those people in our lives because no matter how much we try, sometimes we come up short. Sometimes the circumstances out there and in here are too much and we need that person 
that says, I'm gonna journey with you. I'm gonna be with you in this moment. And so he continues in verse 12, and he says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, and three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And so when we're out there and we're endeavoring to pursue Christ alone, or we're endeavoring to pursue recovery alone, as we're endeavoring to change, and, and we're trying to do it alone. And I run into so many people who's like, I'm not a people person. It's just not for me, or, or I want to be private. And when we take that route, there's often times where we come up to these places where, where we're attacked. And, and the truth of the matter is, we never even saw it coming where we should have had somebody back to back who says, do you see this? Do you see it? Like, are you aware of what's coming? And we need those people in our lives, those people in our circle that, that have our back, that look out for our best interests, that, that fight the enemy with us, that will go to war, not so that they'll succeed, but so we'll succeed. And it's so important that we have just this group of people, this group of friends to journey with. It's one of the things we endeavor to do here. That, that we want to love you, that we want to journey with you, that, that we want you to be healthy. That's why I love that this ministry grows because every person that comes here that, that at least opens up to me finds something that resembles a family, that they find people that, that will care for them, that will be there for them, especially when things are hard and tough, that, that even if they fail out there and they come back here, that they're still loved and accepted and we still journey with them because we need that. We need a new kind of friend. Not the friends that we journeyed with before all of this. Not the friends who only had their best interests at heart. Not the friends that were selfish and self-centered and only looked out for what their thing was. But we need people that, that no matter what will stand beside us and help us to succeed. And so, so we've established that we need relationships. We've established what those should look like, but how do we know if the people that are in our circle will make the cut? How can you walk out of here and evaluate the people in your life, which I hope you'll do. I hope you'll leave here tonight and you'll take an account of the people you've given access to, but how do you know that they're healthy? How do you know that they're fit? How do you know that it's somebody that you can allow close or somebody you need to keep at arm's length. And so in order to shift through all this, what I want us to do is I want us to look at three aspects of love, three aspects of love that we should look for and express in healthy relationships. And so maybe you're in here and you really need to take an inventory on the people in your life. These are three things that you can look at and say, that person can stay, that person needs to go. Or maybe you're pretty solid. You've got your core but maybe you want to make sure that you're endeavoring to be that kind of friend at every turn. So wherever you're at, whether you're looking for a new circle or you just want to be a great member of somebody else's, these are three things that we can look at, three aspects of the way that Jesus loved, three things that we can look at his life and his ministry and clearly see that he did to journey with people and to be good to them. And so... These are three aspects and examples, again, that Jesus gave because the people in our inner circle, they can push us forward or they can drag us down, but the closest people should love like Jesus does. Philippians 2, 3 through 5 says this, don't be selfish. 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others that's better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So when we look at these aspects of love, it's all through this lens of making sure that the attitude that we walk in, the attitude that we engage people in, the attitude that we receive people in is the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And so what does an attitude like Christ look like? Number one is it displays a love that goes beyond comfort. It displays a love that goes beyond comfort. Love is inconvenient. Love crushes our selfish nature. It's, it's incredibly inconvenient and uncomfortable to really journey with somebody. And all the married people in the room said amen, right? Like we, we know that, that there's just areas of our lives that our spouse can touch that nobody else can touch. I know there's times that my wife and I are journeying and she looks at me and she's just like, why won't you treat me like you treat people at church, right? Because man, the people that, that we're closest to, they see the real us, all the brokenness, all the messiness. And when we impact them in, in significant ways, really positively and, and really negatively. And in those negative moments, people that truly love us, they're still there for us, right? They still love us. That I've been a lot of ways to Janelle, that, that there's things that I've done that are embarrassing, some of which I've shared in this room before, others of which I'm still keeping very private and personal for the time being. But even in those uncomfortable moments, my wife loved me. It wasn't easy. It wasn't convenient. But she journeyed with me. She stayed with me. And when we're looking and evaluating at our inner circle, we need to find those people that don't love us at their convenience. Like maybe some days it's good that they're there for us, but, but other days they're just indifferent. Those are people who are selfish in their love, that it's about their agenda, the things that are going on in their life. And, and that's okay for some people. Not everybody needs to be a friend like that, but the people that you allow to be closest to you, the people that, that you're leveling out with, the people that you're gonna average yourself with, they need to be the kind of people that are there in the uncomfortable moments. And so in John, John 15, starting in verse 9, we begin to get a picture of the way Jesus loved us uncomfortably. And in John 15, 9, it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So Jesus is clearly trying to make a point there. I've loved you just as the Father has loved me. He, he continues to repeat it. And he says, I've told you these things. I've repeated myself over and over here. I've told you these things so you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And so in Jesus's love, our joy begins to overflow. But what's so significant about the love of Jesus? What sets it apart in such a unique way? And in verse 12 and 13, he says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way as loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. That Jesus says, find joy in this by loving people as I've loved you. And the way that I've loved you was this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. That this is a sacrificial 
type of love, that, that we're called to love the people in our circle that are close to us. We're called to love our brothers and sisters in Christ in an uncomfortable way, in a way that says, I'm gonna set down my agenda to be here for yours, that I'm gonna love you sometimes to my detriment, to my inconvenience, that there's things that my wife has set down in life to support me, to be here for me, to encourage me, and to help facilitate the dream that God's given me, even in ministry, even in this. And the truth of the matter is that hasn't always been the most comfortable thing for her. But because my wife loves me in a way that qualifies her to be my closest companion, that even in those moments of uncomfortableness, she's there for me. And so we need to begin to evaluate. Evaluate those people that you call friend. Are they people that even at their inconvenience will still be there and love you? That Will they set things down so that you'll succeed in your marriage, so that you'll succeed at work, so you'll succeed in your recovery? Are they gonna be there for you when times get really difficult? Now, again, it's okay that some people in your life, in your circle, or in your life that you know may not fit the bill, but the people that are incredibly close, the people that are really gonna journey with us and help us to find the success we need, they need, to, they need to love us like this. They need to love us when it's uncomfortable. And if you're gonna be that for somebody else, you need to be willing to do the same. You need to be willing to love beyond comfort. Again, love is inconvenient and love crushes our selfish nature. And so we're called to love in an uncomfortable way. Again, Jesus said, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I loved you. Dwell on that for a moment. When we think about the great love that Christ had for us, to be beaten and bruised, tortured, humiliated, torn apart and nailed to a cross, to lay down physical life, for me and for you, is that how people in our circle are loving you? The people that you've allowed in, you've given so much access to, is that the way that they love you? And so it causes us this. What does an attitude like Christ look like? It causes us to reach beyond perception, to reach beyond perception. And that's point number two, a love that reaches beyond perception. One of the more challenging aspects of sacrificially focusing on others is to love someone at their need, not our agenda. To love them at their need, again, not at their agenda. Um, there's times, just to be incredibly blunt, and I know that I'm not the only one in this, but I've been good to my wife sometimes because I wanted her to fulfill a physical need. So I loved my wife in a way, and you guys can laugh, you've all been there. <laughs> Because I wanted something, right? I may have been angry with my wife or upset with her, but there was something that, that I was looking for. And so sometimes we have friends in our circle that way. And they may not look exactly like that, but the thing that they, they want something from us, right? There's something that they're trying to get at. And so maybe they'll pick up the phone when we need them. Maybe they're gonna be there when we call them or show up to some of the things going on in our life. But it's not to our end, it's to theirs. That the type of love they're displaying, on the surface, it may look sacrificial. On the surface, it may look like they're here for what we need. At times, they may be giving us 
exactly what we want. But they're not giving us the things that we need. They're not being a true friend. That it's all on the surface. And so sacrificial love is focusing on someone in their need, not our agenda. And so this level of love with the context of Christian conduct, it listens and learns what is really needed to express deep commitment. It goes beyond superficial. It goes beyond surface. It looks beyond sometimes even the things that we say and says, this is what you need. Sometimes loving beyond perception looks like this, where you're, you're struggling in your marriage and you're griping about your spouse, but the friend that really loves you says, you shouldn't do that. But you're married. Like you, should, you should focus on, on your wife, on your husband. You shouldn't say that. But that's, that's not meeting our, our want. That's meeting our need. Being there beyond perception and giving us the thing that's truly going to add value to our life, not the thing that's comfortable, not the thing that we think we want to hear. It's going beyond that. And Jesus did this. In John three sixteen through 17, many of you I'm sure know this. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but save the world through him. And so when Jesus showed up, this was love beyond perception. Because up until the moment of Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, up until, up until the revelation of what Jesus had done, you know what the Israelites wanted? They wanted a king. That, that everybody in Jesus' time was expecting Jesus to show up and to overthrow the Roman government. And even though that was their want, that was their desire, that was not the thing that Jesus did. Jesus showed up and he sacrificed himself for eternal salvation. And after crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, you know what was still there? The Romans. The, the thing that they thought Jesus was going to show up and do he left in place. He didn't touch it because it was love beyond perception. If you would have asked any of the Israelites of his time, what do you want most? I want these Romans out of here. God, free us. We want to be, be physically free. Jesus, do that. But Jesus said, no, I know you, you think that's what you want, but what you really want is eternal freedom. I know you think that you want this thing here and now in the physical, but what I want to give you is life. What I want to give you is freedom. What I want to give you is eternity, that I'm going to give you something much greater. That was love beyond perception. And when we're looking for people to be close to us, we need people that, that will look past the surface and begin to minister to us in our areas of true need not our areas of desire, that will be there for us when it's difficult, who will give us things that propel us forward, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's painful, but will help to see us through, to see us to grow, and to see us achieve the things that we really need to achieve. And so in Luke, we get to see... Um, Again, where, uh, no, I'm skipping ahead of myself. Um, so, but it's funny to me, again, just to think that how much they missed it. Point number three is this. 
that when we're looking for friends that have an attitude like Jesus, we need to find this, a love without expectation. A love without expectation. This is what we call no strings attached kind of love. That, that oftentimes we encounter people and they'll be really good to us up until the moment we disappoint them. And then they ghost us, right? They're not there for us because they had an expectation for our relationship. It was more of a business transaction. And, and again, it's, it's okay that some relationships we have fit that bill. It, not everybody needs to fall into the category that's beyond expectation, but the people that are incredibly close that we give intimate access to, we need them to love beyond expectation. Now, we're not looking for a debt-debtor relationship. One of the greatest examples of this, that counseling married couples, I see it all the time, where um, the, the husband begins to withhold from the wife because the wife was withholding from him, and so she had levied a debt against him, and so now he's got a debt against her, and then they fail, and so what they keep doing is they keep stacking up the bill against one another, right, until it spins wildly out of control and the relationship crashes and burns because there was always an expectation. You didn't meet that expectation, so now I'm going to withhold the expectation from you and we're going to continue just to, to spiral and spiral and spiral until we fall. Well, the same happens in our relationships. Sometimes in recovery, we find somebody who we think is going to journey with us and then maybe we do something to disappoint them and so they withdraw. And then we find ourselves wondering who's got our back, who's going to be there for us. I thought I had people, but everyone's abandoned me and, and now I know what to do because we've gotten relationships. We have allowed people access who always had an expectation. They, they were always looking for something in return from us. And so we need to find people that will love us beyond expectation. Romans 5.8 says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while, say while, while we were sinners. And so the picture that Jesus gives us of love is that he showed up in the middle of our mess, knowing exactly who we are, what we would do, all of our disappointments and failures, and even in that, loved us. Even in that, loved us. Before you accepted him, loved you. Even if you're in here and you haven't accepted him, he loves you. In that moment, it's without expectation that the love of God, the love of Jesus, it doesn't pivot on whether or not we're gonna reciprocate. He loves us anyways. Again, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. There was no waiting until we earned it or even until we accept it, but it's there. Continues, and he says, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, he will certainly be saved. Through the, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And it's, when you begin to look at that, our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. That God was so far beyond expectation that we were enemies to God and in that moment he loved us. We're called to do the same. That there's people in our lives that, that we're called to love even if they're classified as enemy even if they haven't been good to us, even if they don't deserve it. And we need people in our corner that will love us the same way, 
that, that even if we fail, even if we mess up, even if we disappoint them, even if we don't follow through, the people that are really gonna journey with us, they need to love us in those moments. They need to be there for us in those moments. We need people who will love beyond expectation. Luke 6, 35 through 36 says, love your enemy, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as children of the most high. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. When we're looking for people to love us, when we're looking for people to journey with us, to be in our circle, when we're looking and taking account of the people who we're gonna average ourselves out with, they need to be the kind of people that have an attitude like Christ Jesus, who love even when we fall into the category of enemy, that will be there for us without asking continually, what are you gonna do for me? How are you gonna be here for me? That are just there for us when it's difficult, when they're there for us, sometimes when we're ungrateful, who will journey with us in those moments and who will love us. And so again, who's in your circle? What kind of friends have you allowed access to? Do you continue to stumble and fall because you allow people to drag you backwards and drag you backwards? Is it time that you take account, that you sever connections and you find healthy people will propel you forward and push you towards the things of God. To recap tonight, point number one is this, that we need a love that goes beyond comfort. A love that goes beyond comfort. Sacrificial love. Love is this, laying down one's life for one's friend. It's the example that Jesus presented us. And when choosing our circle, it's the example we should look for. Number two, a love that reaches beyond perception. All your relationships shouldn't just be giving you everything you want. They should be giving you the things that you need. If your friends, your circle, they're not having hard conversations with you, if they're not telling you no, if they're not put it, pointing out where you failed, they're not really a friend. You need to find those people that, that will love beyond perception, have those hard conversations, and be there for you when it's difficult. And number three, a love without expectation. We don't need debt-debtor relationships. We need people who, who will just truly journey with us, truly love us, who will love without expectation. A couple of action steps we have tonight. Encourage you, take a look at your closest relationships, both friends and family, and identify which ones are supportive and which ones are not. Number two, begin the process of removing and distancing yourself from negative relationships in your life. I don't care if you've journeyed with somebody for 20 years. If they're unhealthy, they're unhealthy. If they're dragging you down, if they're impacting your marriage, your recovery, whatever it is, whatever you're pursuing, if they continue to pull you backwards, take an account of it and cut them off. Number three, begin to identify and develop positive relationships. It can be one of the most difficult things to find people that are healthy, that will journey with us. But look for people who love you like Jesus. Look for people who are there for you when nobody else is there for you. Look for people who have hard conversations with you. Look for people who tell you no. Those are people who really love you. And so all of this 
And all of this starts with Jesus. When you talk about a friend that will love you like Jesus, who's going to love you more than him, right? And so that's where it starts. That's where our hearts be, begins to just be shaped and molded and, and changed and transformed. And so if, if you're in here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's, that's where we believe recovery starts, where it pivots. That's where our stories begin to be changed. And so if you're in here and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life for the very first time, here at the end of service, we're going to have our chip prayers and huggers up here at the front. And they would love to pray with you and for you so you can make the greatest decision of your life. A decision where you say, you know what? I can't save myself. I can't do it on my own. I need you, Christ. Where we believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Where we believe that, that he sacrificially laid his life down so that we could be saved and forgiven. And you call upon him, call on him to be Lord and friend. You ask for his forgiveness and ask him to live inside you. If you need to make that decision tonight, here at the end of service, we want to invite you to come down and just pray with us. If you're in here and you've done that before, maybe you've gotten off track and, and you find yourself far from God, far from his call, far from the things that, that you know you should be doing and, and you're just wondering, can I come home? Can I recommit? Is it too late? You absolutely can and it's absolutely never too late to recommit to him. And so if that's you, the same invitation, come on down at the end of service. We would love to pray with you and for you. And then... Maybe throughout the message tonight, there's just been something that, that God's, God's been dinging you with, that God's been dealing with, and, and you realize that, that you need to let go of something. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe in this moment right here tonight, you just realize there's an unhealthy person in my life, and it's time that I close the door on that. I want to encourage you to come down and pick up a white chip tonight. There's nothing special about it, but it's a reminder between you and God that, that you've dealt with that that enough's enough, that, that your circle's gonna look different, that the people that you average yourself out with, that's gonna change. You're gonna pursue God wholeheartedly and you're gonna do it with God's people. So if, if that's you, again, come pick up a white chip. Maybe it's something else, a habit, a stronghold, any number of things. But if you need to pick up a chip, just as a reminder tonight, I encourage you to do so. And then lastly, maybe you're in here and you just need prayer. This is a house of prayer. We would love to pray with you and for you and journey with you tonight. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, to recommit, to pick up a chip or just to receive prayer, I wanna encourage you that as we close in worship, that you would, you would just come on down and just join us. Let us pray for you. And so if everybody would in this moment, if you would stand to your feet as we close tonight.